Well, 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 it is Sunday, it is August 20, and that means it is time for another AEW Collision Review here on the Mr. Warren Hayes Show channel. Hello, I'm Mr. Warren Hayes and welcome. We're going to be doing this for a little bit here, talking about last night's collision as we usually do on Sundays, but hey, listen, why, while we're at it, while you're here, why don't you leave a like on the video if you're watching this on youtube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes, or, you know, a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, a five-star rating on Spotify, any kind of love that you can show for the, for the old Warrenster would be, <laughs> would be great, but thank you very much for being here, Collision Cowboys, let's get, let's get some, um, let's, let's just get a little programming note uh, out of the way, before we do anything else here, there will not be an AEW Collision review next Sunday uh, because next Sunday, is uh, the 27th, is going to be uh, all out, AEW all out. And uh, no one is going to be listening to my Collision review while uh, All Out is on. Uh, probably by the time you get to it, uh, if there are any points to be made, they will all be moot. Uh, I just don't see, I, you know, I know not in the middle of the afternoon or at least, you know, in the middle of the afternoon here, uh, on the Eastern seaboard, uh, I, I, I don't see how it will provide any value next week. So we're just going to skip it. We're skipping next week. We're all, we'll all just tuck in and watch the big, big show. And then, uh, I will review, of course, uh, all in on the Mr. Warren Hayes show on the following Tuesday and you know I'll be previewing it this week on the Mr. Warren Hayes show uh this uh in a couple of days on on our live recording which happens on youtube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes at um uh, at 7 p.m um so I'll be reviewing the show then so you know tune into that and then we'll have the full preview but yeah anyway long if we circle back to the initial uh, idea behind this point uh there will be no collision review next week if that's okay. But, you know, this week, uh, listen, I know there's a lot of stuff, as I like to say, going around in the meta of the shows. Like, that's how I like to refer to it. In you know, in regards to CM Punk, in regards to Cash Wheeler, we're not covering any of this today. There's not much to cover that I haven't already covered or that I will cover. But then again, look, <laughs> what I'm trying to say, <laughs> don't be so oblique, Warren. What I'm trying to say is... Uh, on um, uh, in regards to CM Punk's latest shenanigans, I talked about that in length on the podcast earlier this week, so you can go check that out this uh, this past week's edition of the Mr. Warren Hayes Show. Uh, and as for Cash Wheeler, well, you know, I think everything is pretty much said right now. This is a developing story. I don't think there's anything more to add than that has already been added. Uh, and I think uh, going deeper into it is irresponsible at this point. Uh, it would just become like pure speculation um, for all intents and purposes. From everything that we understand, uh, he has not received any. Um, he has not received any uh, uh, any restrictions as far as travel goes. His passport has not been seized. Uh, so you know. Honestly, at this point, outside of what happened, there's nothing more to add. Nothing that I can add that's any, that, that you probably haven't already heard about in regards to his arrest. So why don't we just move on uh, and talk about this show? Because like I said, outside of that meta, there's nothing else to add. 
I don't have anything else right now to, to, to contribute. So we'll just keep an eye on things and make sure to follow the Mr. Warren Hayes show, which is where I usually tackle most of this stuff anyway. So we're talking about the August 19 edition of Collision, which happened at the Rupp Arena in Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, a setup of 3,342 for 3,211 people dis, uh, present, or at least 3,211 3, tickets distributed. This is about 2,000 less people than when they came uh, for a dynamite uh, in January earlier this year in the same building in uh, the Rupp Arena in Lexington. Um, they had uh, 5,494. So a very good crowd there and a very average crowd uh, for collisions and dynamites uh, last night at the uh, at the Rupp Arena. Um, but let's get to it. Let's, uh, I mean, a hot crowd, don't get me wrong. They were into it. Like, you know, you cannot not say that Lexington is not a good wrestling crowd. They, they always are. It was a good crowd, but I mean, you know, we're, we're down 2,000 people. I don't know. Are we, have we been there? Have we been there too soon? I don't know. Samoa Joe comes out ready for his match against the Golden Vampire. <laughs> uh, you know, just as Joe... Uh, in the uh, the opening promos uh, to uh, Collision said that he will continue his rampage until he hears from the uh, the real world's champion. So he's ready to take down the Golden Vampire. But the Golden Vampire takes it to Joe, beats him up before the bell and lands a GTS. What? Well, it turns out it was CM Punk in, a, in an old Tracy Smothers gimmick. If I'm not mistaken, it's Golden Vampire 13. Does this make CM Punk Golden Vampire 14? Uh, and uh, CM Punk over the fallen uh, body of Samoa Joe picks up the microphone and accepts the challenge. Bitch for all out. Surprise, surprise. And this would actually be the last time we hear from CM Punk for the entire show. Probably out putting his list together of people banned from his show. That was a joke. That was a joke. Okay. We're just having a little fun here. Remember, wrestling's supposed to be supposed to be fun. Uh, we go to commercial, and when we return. No, wait a second. Sorry. I jumped. <laughs> I should stop just doing jokes. They're throwing in, they're throwing me off my format. Uh then we get um Jay White defeating Dalton Castle. Good match. I enjoyed this. I thought the yeah I thought that was pretty good. The guys were landing power moves on each other early on in the match until uh, Jay dumps Castle to the floor. And then he lands a gourd buster on the apron and Juice chases the boys away in the most in the most Juice way imaginable. Right? You know, here's the thing, I, and I, I think I've pointed that uh, this out, but just in case we may have forgotten, as much as I was done with juice in new japan and how i thought he had uh he had hit a ceiling that there was nothing else for him to do and that we, you know i was saying you know he should you know when he announced he was leaving it's like good leave the territory 
you know, and start up fresh, you know, let's see what happens. Maybe something good because I was so down on Juice Robinson and so sick of him. But his he has embraced this this absolutely uh, off the wall character and is just going full force in it. And the American crowd is lapping it up and good. And I like, should we call it a a, a, res, a career resurgence? Is this, a, I, I don't know, probably not. I think I might go in, I might be going a little too far. But I know of multiple people who were sick of Juice Robinson who are now back on the Juice Robinson train. So, um... There's suplexes and strikes by Dalton Castle. I thought he had a really good showing here. He even lands a run off the apron on the floor, but uh, Jay ends it all with a Uranagi and a Blade Runner. Good showing by both guys. Yeah, I have no complaints here. No complaints. I enjoyed this match. In fact, I have minimal quibbles for the entirety of this show. I, I enjoyed this show. Anyway, let's keep going. We go to commercial when we return. Tony Schiavone is still in the ring with Bullet Club. We're getting we're getting three full quarter hours. Well, maybe not full. We're getting three quarter hours of Bullet Club here. 45 minutes of Bullet Club, folks. Bullet Club gold, to be specific. Um, so Tony Schiavone's in the ring with them. And of course, they're bullying him as they do. Jay White claims that the elite have deceived the entire pro wrestling world, claiming that they are the best that Bullet Club has ever produced, or the best faction of Bullet Club. But he's here to set the record straight. So all in, Bullet Club Gold will show that they are a cut above the elite. See, the switchblade knife pervert cut above. Juice throws shade to Hangman Page. Uh, the guns at the Jacksons, and we are ready for trios actions where Austin Gunn, Colton Gunn, and Juice Robinson defeat the Iron Savages. This is a fine little match with the Iron Savage Savages getting some, you know, some walk walk down mic time as they head to the ring. And of course, look in, in case you're wondering, in case you haven't figured it out yet, just. In, or maybe you're like, eh, see, these guys seem familiar. These are the former Bear Country guys. And I'm talking about Boulder and Bronson here. And uh, and, and now there's Jack Jameson. In, uh, jacked. And it's not just Jack. It's not like Jack Perry or Jack in the Beanstalk or Jack Nicholson or Jack Nicholas or Jack of All Trades or Jack of Spades or... Jack Reacher or Jack, uh, I'm out of Jacks. That's it. That unceremonious conclusion to the bit. Um. So, so yeah, they, so these are the former Bear Country guys, and now they're doing this, this, this loud like jostling fitness bros thing, and I, I don't know if I'm into that. Nah. I, I don't know, like super hype, like, you know, we're into protein shakes and, is, and look, it doesn't speak to me. <laughs> I don't know. And, 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 you know, the last time, the last time I, you know, I remember like, you know, a couple of, you know, training bros being all hype, you know, it was, uh, 
you know, it was uh, the the hype bros, Matt Cardona and um, I can't believe I can't forget. I can't remember his name. The other guy. I can't hang on a second. I got I I got a Mojo Raleigh. There you go. Mojo Raleigh. And I called him Matt Cardona, but it was Zack Ryder, but everyone knew that. Anyway. This is a fine little match. Um that's fine. Good heat segment by the Bullet Club Gold. Boulder gets the hot tag, catches uh, Robinson off a top crossbody and slams him onto the guns, which I think was the highlight of the match. Left hand of God by Juice. The 316 to Utah by the guns. Juice picks up the pin, the pinfall. Ah, it's all right. It was fine. Nothing to write home about. Um, you know, the guns are still what they are, right? The guns are not a, you know, they're not a complete tag team. And I don't ever think that that's going to be their target, but... Uh, you know, it's still always weird. You know, regardless of what you think about AEW, you know, it's still it's still a work rate company, and that because that's what their audience expects. So it's easy to get down on people when they when they're not when when they're not you know doing the work rate thing, and um, you know the guns that, that's not what they're there for. I, look, I don't know. I, you know, Colton still. He's still very awkward to me. He still comes across as very awkward. Austin's always been a more complete package. And I still maintain one day he's going to be in WWE. Anyway. Let's move on. The House of Black put Billy Gunn's goots in... Billy Gunn's goots? A what now? They do... They, they put what in where? In what? They put boots in... Let me say that again. The House of Black will edit it out. Uh, you know, before putting it out. No, we won't. The House of Black put Billy Gunn's boots in a trash compactor. So they, clearly they didn't need the gear as as we all like, thought, as we all believed, you know, after stealing uh, Andrade's mask and now the boots from Billy Gunn. It's not that they need them. They, they, they really are just messing with people. And now they're in a trash compactor. What disrespect. I wonder if this might be settled at a pay-per-view. <laughs> Roosh is on the phone with Jose, the assistant. Roosh is very Spanish mad. Uh, he says it's time to get LFI back in shape. Well, I mean, you know, Spanish and as in his language. I, I know he's not from Spain. Like, he's mad in Spanish. I just tried to be cute. He says it's time for LFI to get back in shape and the whole crew has to meet him in Mexico. Uh, then we cut to Preston Vance and Derelistico on a bender in Mexico. Then next thing you know, they're getting black bagged, kidnapped, and Jose is right there seemingly orchestrating the whole thing. So that's, you know, we need, we need to get, we need to get everyone. We need to meet, you know, we, you know, when my office calls a meeting, <laughs> you know, we usually get like a Slack notification, you know, I'll get a little email or something. Um, they usually don't rush in. They being, you know, goons, my employers might hire. 
rush in and black bag me away, usually, typically. Then we go backstage where Ricky Starks is with Tony Schiavone. They clarify that Tony screwed up when talking about the suspension time. It wasn't 60 days, not 30 days, four weeks. Oh, okay. So, you know, just to clear clear up everything, he's going to be back in time for the pay-per-views. But he was going to be back at, anyway. I think he was going to be back in time for All Out at the very least, right? Even with 60 days. I don't know. It doesn't seem like a big deal to me. I, I, I don't know. He talks some shit, then introduces his new protege because he has a manager's license now. And this, uh, he, so he's managing Big Bill now. And you know what? I like the idea of Ricky Starks having a heater. I think about that. I'm like, sure. You know, you know, the slickly dressed Ricky Starks coming to the ring with, you know, the gigantic shirtless Big Bill next to him in jeans. There's something very compelling about that pairing. I enjoy it. Then we have a video package of Ricky Starks saying that people took his kindness for weakness and that leads us to Big Bill squashing Derek Neal. Then after the match, Ricky pulls out the belt and starts whipping Derek Neal until Big Bill tosses Mr. Neal out of the ring. Now, I, I, I think we all know where what this whipping gimmick is leading us to, right? I... I do I do I need to underscore it? Do I do I need to say it? A strap match against whom? Yeah, CM Punk. Because don't remember everyone. CM Punk is feuding with everyone. He's feuding with everyone. We get footage of Sting and Darby Allen attacking AR Fox at a WWA Four show. Was it a show or was it just a train? Look, anyway. They were at 444 WWA 4 in Atlanta. So they jump them, much to the delight of the shocked and awed audience that was there. Then Darby hypes up the coffin match for his tag match against AR Fox and Swerve Strickland on Dynamite. He's going to be pairing up with Nick Wayne. All right. Darby doing double duty on these uh, on these feuds. Willow Nightingale defeats Diamante. I thought this was a good little match. I thought this was well done. Willow Nightingale with an early stalling suplex blocks a head scissors attempt by Diamante and side slams her instead. Mercedes Martinez comes out to support her girl. Diamante tries to land a sleeper hold, but Nightingale powers out. Diamante gets a heat segment after getting out of an Oklahoma stampede and clips uh, the, the knee of Nightingale who eventually fights back with a spine buster, a slice bread by Diamante, missile shotgun dropkick by Will Nightingale. They fight on the floor. Statlander arrives to handle Mercedes Martinez. Willow lands a pounce on the floor, which looked great, and you know, <laughs> she almost, almost legitimately threw uh, Diamante into the barricades with that one. Gets her back in for the babe with the power bomb for the win. I enjoyed this. I thought that was pretty good. You know, Diamante looking solid again. Uh, you know, again, this was someone who um, who I thought had a lot of work to do. The last times we had seen her on uh, on Dynamites and stuff. And even, you know, during the... You remember the women's 
the cup tournament, the medals. Remember, remember all of that stuff. Remember Ivelisse. Um, Diamante was, uh, I, I always thought she had a lot of work to do. I didn't think she was very solid and she's been solid over the past, her past couple of outings. And in this singles match here, I thought she looked very good. So that's fantastic. See, this is, and this is what I kind of want to circle back to, you know, a couple of weeks ago when I had, when I expressed my views on, on, on contemporary women's wrestling, you know, where, it, the argument always seems to fall on, uh, you know, well, you know, just give us a match, give us more than one match, give it, you know, where we always seem to talk about quantity, but then the quality, it always seems to be something that we, that we always pass up on. And probably because a quality of a match is a little, a little more subjective, right? Than, um, is a little more subjective because of the people watching it, right? We will not all have the same standards for wrestling matches. Um, whereas, uh, whereas you know, a, a quantity of matches, that's observable and, you know, it's facts, it's undeniable. There were three matches, there were four, there were two, there were there was one. Like, you cannot escape that. That's just, that's just facts. So, you know, as I, you know, as I posited... You know, the idea with, with you know, a lot of the problems with AEW's, you know, division go go beyond just putting on, you know, more matches. Hey, Tony, give us more matches. Like I'm more like, Tony, give us good matches. Push the right people. Put the right people in the places where they, they'll be able to make your division shine and have people want more of them. Because look, as far, <laughs> you know... Soraya and Sky Blue is not going to be a match that people are going to clasp onto and be like, yeah, let's give us more, you know? And I don't want to give the impression that I just watched, you know, a, a, you know, a, a match straight out of AJW of the, you know, back in the 90s. This isn't, you know, it, you know, it's not that great a match, but it was a solid match, competently put together by two good pro wrestlers with Willow Nightingale, who is a pillar of the division she she has a you know crowd loves her she's got the attraction she's got the the connection was what i meant to say um this is the kind of stuff that you need to be pushing more of than you know whatever was the these qualifiers for the four way where it's all you know we all saw who was going to win in the first place you know and then you end up with matches that just go Push the right women. Make this feel exciting. And of course, if you only have one match per show, then it's always a make it or break it situation when you could dress it up a little bit. You know, you could add an extra match and just if one doesn't quite work out, well, you have, you know, there's always another one. And there's, you know what I mean? Like there's, you know, it, it's always do or die with the women's division. It's always like the one. If it fails, everyone pisses on it, and if it, you know, and and if it's the opposite, well, everyone cheers, and then they want some more. Look, that's the thing. I found that this was a solid enough match. Good, I enjoyed it, and I look at this and I'm like, well, this is what I'm talking about. This is what I'm talking about. 
Doesn't have to be a five-star classic every time. Doesn't have to be Nightingale versus Athena every time. But I have no complaints with this match. This was solid. This was well done. This was a good pro wrestling match. We've seen some recently on AEW and the other place too. They had an, you know, they had a, a, a pay-per-view recently. A PLE. Where their women's division absolutely underdelivered, Looked embarrassing at points. Anyway. Not getting into that again today. But still, the point stands. Then, oh, you know, there was an advertised segment about uh, having, uh, you know, FTR. We'll hear from FTR. And, you know, everyone was going, oh, boy, ever since, you know, the news broke on Friday, uh, you know, oh, gee, Willikers, what will they have to say about FTR? What will Cash Wheeler have to say? Well, it just came in the form of a video package for the, the match against the Bucks. Again, like I said at the start of the show, as it stands right now, uh, there is there has been no confirmation that Cash Wheeler cannot travel to England. I don't think they've deemed him a flight risk, um, you know, just by the fact that he's been cooperating with, uh, um, uh, that he's been cooperating and stuff. So, you know, all of this stuff, um, all of this stuff makes sense. And, you know, I, I wouldn't put too much stock into it right now. And why would they address this regardless? You know, like, first and foremost, why would they address this on AEW? And you can pull out a bunch of reasons. But I don't know why you would front and center say, hey, you know, one of our, one, one half of our tag team champions has been arrested this week. You know, I don't know why you do that. People are saying he should be suspended. Okay, well, that's a whole other discussion. And again, one that I'm not getting into today. Again, I don't know why you'd, why you'd talk about it. I don't know why this would need to be addressed at this point. Hell, AEW had an entire dust-up with their, with their people backstage that severely impacted your viewing of AEW programming for months. And they never addressed it online outside of just stripping people of titles. Now, if he gets charged, let's have this conversation again. But for now, again, I don't know what they do more than what they're doing right now. Tony Storm is being interviewed by Lexi Nair again this week. Tony is still very much in her Joan Crawford era. Fantastic hair this week. And Tony says, you know, that she doesn't know who the girl who interviewed her was last week. But she was very rude. And Lexi's like, okay. And uh, Tony gets upset again when being questioned about Soraya having her back or not. Saying, uh, uh, telling Lexi to never question the friendship of the outcasts. She insults Lexi Nair. Walks off and throws another shoe at her out of frame, which... Is turning into my favorite, favorite thing in all of wrestling right now. This, this is absolutely fucking rules. Powerhouse Hobbs defeated Kevin Koo of Violence is Forever. And I was excited to see Kevin Koo, but then I realized, oh, wait a minute. He's just going to get the shit beat out of him. Lexington, Kentucky were excited to see Kevin Koo. As I was. Good little enhancement match here. After the match, Hobbs tries to draw Miro by doing the camel clutch 
Miro appears on camera and talks. And this is probably the most disappointing segment of the entire show. I don't know. Like, I've reached a point of saturation with this uh, with this thing where it's like, you know, because I, I, at the very least, I thought Miro was going to, you know, have a match where he was going to destroy the, 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 the QTV jabrones. Maybe that's still in the works, but this is where I am right now. I kind of... You know, I'm looking forward to Miro and Hobbs, but this feels like it could use a little meat around the bone. And then we got the main event where Darby Allen defeated Christian Cage. Great main event, by the way. Starts off with a with a bit of a stalemate, even though Christian Cage gets thrown to the floor. He gets a heat segment, then there's some hope spots that get cut short with a for instance, a great rope neck, a, a, excuse me, a great rope snap neck breaker by Christian Cage that Darby Allen just sells like he's like, he just had the, you know, he was whiplashed out of orbit. And uh, Christian Cage works the shoulder, hammerlock slam, hammerlock slob drop. I'm enjoying this. Allen interrupts a spear with a code red. Tries to use the turtleneck to his advantage. Uh, Luchasaurus gets some shots in as well throughout the match. Uh, Darby Allen goes for a coffin drop on the floor, but Luchasaurus catches him. Darby Allen escapes out of his clutches, but runs right into a massive lariat by Christian Cage. Just a fantastic little sequence. Darby Allen then drop toe holds Christian Cage onto a chair, sits him on the chair, goes up top, does a missile drop kick from the corner to the floor onto the seated cage. Just awesome stuff. He then tries to coffin drop Luchasaurus. Uh, he tries to coffin drop Christian Cage. He lays him up on, on the apron, tries to lay him out, but Luchasaurus pulls Cage off of the apron and Darby eats shit. There's some ref distraction stuff that happens in the match. Christian Cage lands a sunset bomb out of the corner and a spear. And again, another really great sequence. Darby Allen rolls out of an unprettier, uh, a uh, fuck, a uh, kill switch. <laughs> I don't know. It's either or to toss up every time and locks in a bridge pinfall for the win. And after the match, Tony Schiavone tries to interview Darby Allen about the all-out match, but instead gets blindsided by Christian Cage with a belt shot. Luchasaurus chokeslams him in the middle of the ring, and then they force Tony Schiavone to count the pin on Darby as Christian Cage covers him, and then have Tony Schiavone declare Christian Cage the winner. And I cannot ask for better, simpler, more exquisite heel heat than that. And Christian Cage is excellent at it. And I don't care who you are. This is fantastic shit. And you cannot tell me otherwise. I don't care who you are. You cannot tell me otherwise. This is exquisite heel work. Throughout it all. From the... um, You know, from everything... The deliberate, methodical pace that Christian Cage has in the opening of this match when he has his heat segment, as opposed to the explosiveness that he demonstrates towards the end, is just unreal, and it's fantastic, and it shows that he can that he still has the aptitudes to put on a match. He understands. He understands his role. And then the end, where he's, he gets all of his heat back. I, I, it's, it's good stuff. It's basic. 
effective pro wrestling because you've got the perfect people in these spots and it works so well Cage is great I know a lot of people are excited at the prospect that uh, you know oh what maybe we should have a Edge and Christian reunion in 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 AEW and I'm like I hope we don't I then I know I'm not in an island on this, but I know my, you know, my opinion is in a minority where you have tons of people, you know, I guess addicted to the nostalgia aspect of it where they're just like, yeah, one more run. Because look, there's a couple, there's a few things that I'm worried about. The first being is that Edge, Edge is not the worker everyone likes to think he is anymore. Like he's not and that's fine. He's, you know, he's had his time and he's not the worker Christian is and he does not have the, he does not have the singularity that Christian Cage is able to bring to the ring in terms of just delivering promos and getting heat and Christian's on another level and frankly doesn't need Edge to come muddy the waters and I don't want to see them as a tag team either. I, I I don't have any, I don't have any, my nostalgia is not that strong where I want these guys to have one last run in another company where that company might actually come across as starting to push too many old acts, nostalgia acts, because don't forget, AEW already has its old tag team nostalgia act in the Hardys, and that's kind of frightful these days. I don't think it's all that great. Not a fan of it. Haven't been a fan of their their signing, regardless. And mm, I have. I don't think it's delivering, and I don't think it will deliver outside of big reactions because people love the Hardys, and people will probably love Edge and Christian too if that were ever to happen. But then look at what I'm saying here. What do you expect things are going to happen? What do you then think people will want? One more match. Edge and Christian. The Hardys. And I'm like, no. No. I, you, I do. If you want to relive those halcyon days, hop on the Peacock or type in stuff on, you know, YouTube and Daily Motion and find the matches and rewatch them when they were actually good, when the guys were young and reckless and you were... Go see back then the matches that make you remember them so fondly as opposed to them being, you know, in their, in their advanced ages. Trying to rekindle something trying to rekindle some energy in a, in an environment or in in matches where they will not be able to do what they have been most famous for if that makes sense there's no i don't want edge in AEW i don't i really don't and i don't think his i don't think his his final WWE run should make anyone really exciting i thought it was kind of tepid and even outside of the, the 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 dumbass creative with the with the you know the interminable promos you know and the whatever 
I, I, I don't think he's, he was never, he was a fine worker. Christian has always been a better worker. And I think Edge right now is um, not even close to being at the top of any powers. I, I, I look, we'll see what happens, but I think it's a very bad look for AEW if they do bring him in. And it's something I don't necessarily want. I don't know who would want it, quite frankly. Well, no, I do know who would want it, but I think it's misguided. And I think it's nostalgia and it's rose-colored glasses, but we're in a big kick of nostalgia these days in pro wrestling where a lot of the old guys are just coming in getting getting some licks in and getting a payday. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was to happen, but Christian Cage is so good. Like, that's the thing. It's like, it's, he doesn't even need it. He doesn't even need any of this. He doesn't need Sexton Hardcastle or Brood McBroody or whatever the hell he'd call himself. Maybe just plain old Adam Copeland, right? You know, we, we, we just don't need it. I'm, I don't need it. I don't think it'd be a good idea, but it could be all wishful thinking right now. Because here's the thing. You know, Edge is going to, oh, you know, I'm so torn what to do next. He's a, his contract is up. That doesn't mean he's not going to re-sign with WWE. Doesn't mean he might we want to return to wrestling, period. He could be just like, nah, I'm going to take a nice long break off of this. And good on him. He made his money. He's in movies. He's in that, what, he's on a, what the fuck, a Percy Jackson. Like, he's going to be like the God of War in, in, the, in the Percy Jackson TV show. It's like, good for him. And on all levels, it's fantastic stuff. Just go do your thing, man. I don't think he, you know, I don't know the guy. I'm not going to pretend like I understand. But if if he were to never come back, I would absolutely understand. You know, I'd be like, sure, this guy's fine. He's got everything he needs. But, you know, wrestlers are wrestlers. And that is how we are going to wrap up this week's edition of the AEW Collision Show review. Uh, thank you, everyone, for joining me today for uh for the program i hope uh the program as if like i've got this big broadcasting deal for the for the podcast here today for the audio uh on your favorite podcast platform or for the video on youtube.com slash mr warren hayes don't forget no collision review next week as we will be in complete uh and utter all-out mode however uh, however don't forget that um however don't forget i will be back on tuesday for a brand new edition of the Mr. Warren Hayes Show proper, where we will be reviewing, previewing, I should say, all in. Did I say all out? It's so, I'm still confused. I get confused easily. Listen, next week, we're not here because of all in. We're going to be back on Tuesday for the Mr. Warren Hayes Show, where I'm going to preview uh, all in. So that'll be a good time. Thank you for being here, everyone. And uh, I'll see you next time. 